Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to my Good Nanny Radio, MGN Radio, the best show on Blog Talk Radio for family information and entertainment. Thanks for tuning in. Hello, welcome to the MGN podcast. I am your host, Miss Tossi, and today it's Friday, September first, twenty seventeen. I want to say hello and thank you for joining us either now or if you're listening to the replay of this amazing show. For those of you who might not have heard about MGM Radio, we are an award-winning podcast. We've been on for several years, and we feature moms, dads, entrepreneurs, celebrities, and um, anybody who is doing great things out there, authors, You've been on our show, and we just want to say thank you for all the support to all our guests as well as our fans. So we're super excited about today's show. I am very excited because, one, um, I'm going to be working with her on our braiding class, and you're going to hear about that a little bit later. And um, she's an author, and you know I love my moms that are authors. So we're going to give her her fabulous MGN introduction in a few minutes But before I get into that, I did want to say, you know, our hearts and our prayers continue to go to our um, family, friends, fans, customers, you know, neighbors in um, Texas. And, you know, Hurricane Harvey hit and is still making a lot of um, damage. Your donation... um, no matter how big or how small, really helps. Hurricane Harvey is an active tropical cyclone that is causing unprecedented and catastrophic flooding in southeastern Texas and parts of Louisiana. So we've been praying and sending our prayers to um, the people that have been affected by this this storm. And they said this is one of the, this is like the most, we all know about Hurricane Katrina, right, our New Orleans people. And, you know, people are still recovering from Hurricane Katrina that happened in 2005 in, um, you know, Louisiana, New Orleans. But they said that this, you know, flood has resulted in over a million children not being able to go to school and has displaced more than 30,000 people. we want us also to say thank you because we've been seeing all the first responders, the Cajun Navy, Cajun Army, just everyday people helping their neighbors out. And through this, over 13,000 people have been rescued. So i got to give an applause for that because, you know, our first responders do an amazing job. Okay, so again, our hearts and prayers go out to all the people affected by Hurricane Harvey. Now, we did want to, um, before I introduce our guest, I do have to pay bills, just one or two. So sit tight because as soon as I come back in less than a minute, we're going to be chatting with Miss Nellie. All right, thanks. Growing up today, many children don't get the encouragement they need to feel important, empowered, and loved. Author J.L. Hunt has put together two beautifully written books titled Beautiful Boy and Beautiful Girl to help children build a positive self-concept and self-esteem in a colorful, stirring way. These books are a precious gift to any special child in your life. 
available on Amazon.com. For more information, visit HuntsClubhouse.com. Hair Yum is the fastest growing vegan hair care product on the market. Hair Yum can transform your hair with one wash. Cleanse with no harsh chemicals, sulfates, or detergents. The Hair Yum collection is available now at HairYum.com. Take the challenge. Go vegan. Get Hair Yum at HairYum.com. That's H-A-I-R-Y-U-M.com. Your hair will thank you for it. All right, this is Tossie. It's Friday, September 1st. Can't believe, wow, um, fall is here to stay, okay? Um, so Miss Nellie is an award-winning braider in the Dallas area. Um, she's well-known and recognized braider in Dallas, Texas. She has won awards in Atlanta for the Nicki Minaj Ponytail and Iverson Braids, and first place in the 2017 Texas International Hair Show. Just recently, she released her first book, which we're going to be chatting about, But Still I Rise is the title. And it, she, she's going to be talking all about the, the story of her fall and rise. She's a speaker, and she's collaborated with many major hairlines. She's going to be working with us, Hair Yum, at um, Covington, Louisiana, for our braiding class. And we're so excited. So join me in welcoming to our podcast, Miss Nelly, and let me connect her. Yay! Hey, thank you for having me. Hey, Miss Nelly. Hey, I'm how are you? How are you? I'm doing very well. I'm blessed. Now, now you're you're a Dallas award-winning braider. Now, was anybody that you know affected by Hurricane Harvey we talked about in the storm? Um, everyone was impacted some sort of way. We're so close to Houston. So um, I have a few friends that's in Houston. Um, My clients, you know, some of them have come from Houston or they have family there and immediate family. So I think we all felt the effects of it um, as far as, you know, our family and friends being there. And then now we're starting to feel the economic effects of it as well. So Mm, our our hearts and everything are are with them and we're, we're working, you know, just to help out as much as we can. Wow, that's great. Well, I wanted to chat with you because I'm so excited you're going to be on the, on um you're on the show. But let's talk about your book first of all. But still, I rise. How? Why did you name it that? Like, what what made you name it your book the title, and what made you write the book? Well, the um, the title came from me reflecting at one point um, on just how low I was. Everyone, I think, has a different version of what their rock bottom was, and mine was completely rock bottom, Um, you know, being, you know, from not having a a place to stay, having a negative bank account balance, and I lost everything, job, and even lost my son temporarily, you know, and my mental state, I completely lost myself. Um, and it was just at a point where for a lot of people, they wouldn't be able to, to rise out of that. And I was able to rise and I've risen to a point, you know, of, of being higher than I've ever been. And I see myself continuing to grow. So, so that's where the title came from. Um, as far as the, the purpose on writing the book, um, you know, I've learned how to sit still and listen, you know, when God talks to me and, there were some, some signals for about a year, you know, for me to put my testimony out there and my story out there to share. 
but you know I appreciate my privacy, so I, you know, I wasn't gung ho on on putting the book out there. Um, but I had a just a general conversation with a client I had one evening, and gave her you know the general backstory of what happened and why you know why I was in Dallas, you know what all had transpired, and she called me about a month later, and she said I just have to thank you for telling me your story. She said you know I just I had moved, you know, down here to Texas from my hometown. She said I was in an abusive relationship, and um, I was nervous. I left. She said, but I'm here with my child, no one here to help me, and I'm, I was halfway packed up in my apartment to move and go back and try to work it out with them because I was just too scared to do it by myself. And she said, but I listened to your story, and it really moved something in me. And she said, I, I called my manager at my job. And she gave me a new job location to where I'm closer to friends and family here in Texas, and I decided to stay. And and that, you know, really made me feel some type of way, and that was the the ultimate point for me to say I think it is important that I put my story out there because me telling her that could have been the difference between life and death for her. You know, she was ready to go back to an abusive relationship, and just because she heard my story, and I had no idea, you know, what – what had got her down here, I didn't know she had moved, you know, recently. I didn't know any of that. And because I told her that, that changed her life. And I figured, you know what, if I can change her life and just sharing my story with her, imagine how many other women who are too afraid to speak or too afraid to move, you know, they're too afraid to become uncomfortable. If I share my story, how many people can move out of their situations and, and make it make a better situation for themselves and for their children? So that's why I wrote it. And for their children. Wow, I love it. But but still, I rise. You know, on the podcast, we've had a couple of people that have been on the show, women who have been survivors of domestic violence. And one of the things during my interviews, they always tell me, you know, I saw the signs, but I ignored it. Now, in your mm-hmm. situation, can you t- maybe share some of the signs that you saw that you ignored that you were like, wow, you know, that was a red flag? Yeah, absolutely. So, for me, for my story, um, abuse was actually from my then fiance and my son's donor father. Uh, the abuse was from him to my son. There was child abuse. Um, and so the signs and the red oh. flags were right there in my face. And I was so hung up on let's make this relationship and this family work because it had been strained for so many years and I just wanted to be together, be a family. From the outside looking in, everyone was, oh, you guys are high school sweethearts. You've been together so long. And it's like behind closed doors. You guys have no idea. I'm crying all the time. He's talking to me like I'm crazy. He's bashing me in every every which way, you know, making me feel like I was nothing. Um, and at the same time, my son, you know, for a couple of months, I, I noticed he would stop speaking whenever we would be around him. Um, any nights, you know, that I would mm-hmm. tell him, hey, you're spending the night with, you know, at your dad's, you know, house tonight or tomorrow, he would pee in the bed. And it just, you know, they were saying, mm. I just didn't, it, it, it's, it's right, it was like right there in my face, but I was so hung up on let's make this work that I totally ignored it. And so I wow. just, it, 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 it like punched me in my face when I saw it, the morning I saw it and I just, I mean, it was it was unimaginable, you know. So your so your so your ex fiance was he wasn't a 
physically abusing you. He was sexually abusing your son? He was physically, physically abusing my son. Oh, fi- wow, that is. Mm-hmm. Now, did he ever put his hands on you? Believe it or not, no. I mean, he would talk to me and say things to me that really made me feel like I meant nothing. I mean, verbal abuse is real. You know, for some people, it's like, oh, it's just words. They can't hurt you. And when you're so invested in someone, though, and you really love someone, their words hold a lot of weight. There was a lot of verbal abuse there. And, you know, whether he knew it or not, you know, he just didn't care. But there, for my son, there was a physical abuse. And he just he had made it clear from the day I told him I was pregnant with our son um, up until the last time I, I had talked to him, which has been a few years since I've spoken to him, he made it very clear all the time. He never wanted to have any children. He never wanted to have them. And it's like while he was unplanned, he's here. And I think it just killed him to know that he had a responsibility to be a father. And he took that out on my child. Wow, that is heartbreaking. But first, we want to applaud you, Nellie, for telling your story, because I know so many women that are going to listen to this podcast are going to say, wow, that is going through me. And child abuse Mm -hmm. is, you know, it's such a horrific thing. Um, Thank God it wasn't sexual, but the physical abuse can last forever. And like you said, verbal abuse is just as damaging as physical abuse. But so let's talk about a little bit more about the child abuse. So like, would he shout at you? Like what age did it start? Like would he just hit your son or was it more shouting? Um, Because I I can see, you know, some, you know, some African-American parents that might be listening. Everybody got whooped, you know, but talk Mm -hmm. about yours, you know, your situation. But so as it came out in multiple interviews, um, you know, my son was six, um, and for a while, for several, for six years or almost six years, he was incarcerated. So there was never really any converse or any uh, relationship building between father and son. So you know, when he came home, a big priority was you guys need to establish a bond and you know just kind of make up for that time that's been lost because he had been incarcerated since he was a newborn. Um, but you know, it would be things like you know he didn't. He didn't take his his play after he finished lunch to the sink, or, you know something really silly. You know he he didn't have a good day at school. All children have days when they're just they just don't have a good day. Um, and what was happening was he was he would take my son to the to his sister's basement, um, completely strip him, bound his hands, and he would beat him. And he would beat him to the point where my son completely black, blue, and purple on the backside, mid back down. Mm. There was some open skin when I had saw it, and it's sickening. It is sickening that there's a difference between you get a whooping for acting a fool and outright beating a child. And he was six years old. Six years old with, you know, minimal vocabulary. He can't really express what's going on. He's not telling me anything. And at this point, you know, we were – my son had his own bathroom and everything, and so – I didn't see it. You know, I, I get that sometimes. Like, how how did you not see it? I'm like, he's not telling me, and I wasn't looking for it. Even though it was right in my face, I totally dismissed it. So that guilt, that guilt is, is what traumatized me. Um, 
but it was it was just you know finally he said well I was too afraid to tell you because I know how much you love him and I didn't want you to tell him and you know I get in, you know I get in trouble again you know and and wow. being a mother it's like my job my first responsibility and job as a black woman with me having a child is to be his mother and he couldn't tell me he's enduring pain and suffering that he should not have to go through from someone that your your parents you're enduring this from and exactly. you can't tell me because you feel like I, I love him too much that you know I felt every emotion in the world anger denial everything but guilt is what consumed me the most because I felt like I failed my son I, and I still feel like I have you know I still hold myself accountable for that I failed my son he should not have felt like he had, we had to keep that from me Yes, and you know this our podcast. I mean, we've done so many shows. Uh, autism, um, domestic, where you know it's the the woman beat the man beating the woman, um, all kinds of shows. And the ones that are so hurting are, you know, child abuse is just so hurtful. Now, and this is a tough situation, you know. So again, Miss Nelly, I applaud you for telling your story. And everything that you're talking about is in your book, But Still I Rise, which is an empowerment mm-hmm. book to tell your fall and rise. And we're going to get to the rise, but back to the abuse. Okay, so where is, if you can speak on, where is your ex-fiance now? Is he in jail or, like, where is he now? He's, I don't know where he is. Um, the, the thing was, so, you know, he was substantiated. And this is public records. He has been substantiated by the state. Um, of Indiana for child abuse. He is in the system. It's documented. Um, after an investigation, and I was just told flat out and outright, you don't live in the same county and you have sole custody of your child. Bottom line, we're not going to spend taxpayers' dollars to press charges unless you go ahead and do it because you can solve the problem yourself. And so there, you know, I have my family and people are like, go take him to jail. You know, yeah, go press charges. And it's like, not only are me and my son both dealing with depression, our mental state is not there. I had attempted suicide. You know, I was in the hospital for over a week because I was just so sick over what had been happening. I was not in a position to drag my child and myself through court. And to deal with it over and over. I keep replaying and keep telling the story and keep having it shoved in my face. I couldn't deal with that. So I made the decision myself to pack up and leave. And that was how we got to Dallas. I put what I could fit in my car, and I drove down to Dallas. And I started from the very bottom, sleeping on couches, donating plasma to get money, whatever it took you know, to, to get ourselves back together. And your son is with you. And that was my way of dealing with, with you. He's with me now. He spent six months with my mom because, you know, she said, I don't want you moving okay. around, you know, you know, and he's not stable. But for my son, he had to go through counseling at that time too because for him, he's like, now I don't have a mom or a dad. What's, what's going on? Mm. You know, he's, it was hard for him to understand. So that was very, very hard, but it pushed me to work that much harder every day and get at it so that I could get him back so that we could be back together and we could, you know, basically start all over again. Um, and so, you know, with that, was, you know, there any ramifications as far as, you know, with my ex-fiance? I don't know how much trouble he got in being on probation. I know he didn't go back to jail. He 
went on and entertained a relationship with someone and he's gone on and I, I have I have left it in God's hands. You know, he will he will deal he will the God will deal with that. So I have to Now how old is your son how old is your son now? He's nine. Okay, he's so nine years old. For six from the time he was born to he was six I mean no your fiance was in jail from zero to six, thank God. When he got out, mm-hmm. that's when the abuse starts. Now, did you ever, so he endured about up two, three years of abuse with your ex-fiance? Or no, no, no. We, it was only a couple years? of, it was a few months because he had been incarcerated from when my son was about three months until he was six. Um, the abuse came out just before my son turned seven. So once mm. everything came wow, out with the investigation, God. everything, we left. Good, good. Um, and again, this is a no judgment zone. Those people who know me know I'm a very, I'm a child advocate. Like that's how I started my business with my good nanny. I believe children are blessings. So my question to you, and again, I'm sure you share a lot more details in the book, but my have you ever thought about wow this guy's going to move on and maybe do this to another child um you know with you not pressing charges um you know i'm still in a position where i can press charges um i i still think and wonder if that's something that i should do honestly um We've we've just healed so much, and it's like, do I want to open those old wounds and go back to that? You know, that's something I'm still praying on. Um, The funny thing is I got an inbox uh, message from the woman that I caught him cheating on me with um, just a couple of days ago. And I didn't ask her too many questions because I could just feel it in me as soon as I got the message that it was not a conversation that I wanted to have. But upon the apologies and asking for forgiveness, she says, I feel like no one knows what I've really been going through except for you. And I don't know if that meant in terms of heartbreak for her or if something was going on with her children um, that he has said or done. But I wasn't in the position to ask her either. So, you know, there's there's that kind of hanging over my head. And I'm not one to make a move without without knowing. When I don't know what to do, I don't move. I pray about it, and I just wait yeah. until it comes to me what exactly I'm supposed to do. But, you know, again, and I bet, is, you know with the book and, and her children. Possibly. You know, I, I can't put anything past them. So, this is somebody, like I say, we were high school sweethearts, and come to find out, what did I really know about them? You know what I'm saying? It's, it's everything that I thought could and, not happen, happened. Well, and if you trace if you trace his background, because this is, I believe, children are products of their upbringing. So if you trace your ex-boyfriend, I don't know if you know how he was raised. Um, I'm sure it wasn't in a, a good environment. It may not have been. You know, some things started to come come out, you know, as we were having our issues. Um, but I never, I never asked a whole lot of questions or did a whole lot of digging because, you know, then – you know, when we were together and things were rocky, I just I felt like I was walking on eggshells. And more than anything, I wanted for us to just be happy and get on the right track. Be happy. Um, and then, happy. you know, right. You... It... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just, I was saying, so, you know, it's, 
since you know since everything split and since I you know left and moved away, that healing process, you know this this was part of the healing process. Writing the book, having the conversation I never got to have, but I just I've been away from it. You know the best way for me to heal was to not deal with it at all. You know at least right now. And then it's like okay now I'm strong enough. I've gained back my sanity and now I know my worth, my dignity. I've gotten all of that back. Now I can start to deal with this head on how I need to deal with it. Wow. Wow. This, you know, I always say our podcast really changes lives. And to be honest, people listening and who, I was going to just jump into my braiding class and talk about the book. And this has been such a shift in you sharing your story because I'm just like, wow. You know, my mind is racing to all the children that are victims of abuse. Now, what I want to ask you is, did you ever ask him why? Like, why did you hurt your own flesh and blood? Like, did you ever ask him why he did what he did? I did. Our last conversation, I remember crying my eyes out, and I was begging for him to tell me why. And he just gave me just this death stare, just looked me in my face, and he said, I don't like that you've gained weight. And I, I just, I couldn't even, I couldn't process that. It made no sense to me at all. He never gave me an explanation okay, so for crazy. It, you know him. So right, so I'm just like, you know, it took a long time for me too to realize it's not me, it's him. Because even after that, I went and lost over 50 pounds, thinking this is what's, you know, it's like my mind was completely gone. Like, and and once I got, like I said, once I got myself together, I realized whoa, this wasn't me, this was him. Something is wrong with him. And the only thing that I can imagine as to why he would do that to him is because he hated the fact that he was a father. He hated the fact that he had a responsibility to raise a child, and he just did not want to do it. And whatever it took to get out of it, that's what he was going to do. Now, does he have any other kids, or is this his only child? As far as I know, my son is his only child. Um, from what I've learned, he was supposed to be having twins with someone else, um, but I don't. That didn't um, happen. So um, I don't know. I haven't looked. And right or wrong, I have to tell you, you know, my my feeling is I wouldn't want to know. I, I just I wouldn't want to know. I do better, and my son do better without even acknowledging or mentioning his name or anything. You know, we just act like he doesn't exist. Yeah, because you're still healing. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're, and you're still, he- it's the healing process. But one thing I want to implore, you know, and beg is take time. No more men. <laughs> like, take time <laughs> to really, you know, focus on your braiding and, and mm-hmm. your book and at least let your son get older because nine out of ten children, you know, abuse cases are, you know, either boyfriend or, you know, like your case, the father um, or stepfather. So, and it's tough, you know, being a single mom. It's tough, but for what your son has been through, just leave the men alone. <laughs> I mean, can, mm-hmm. can, is, that what, is that the same conclusion you've come to? Yeah, I've I've been single for a few years now. I mean, I've, I've dated a little bit, you know, and it's more so just because I was bored, but I have focused so much on getting myself back together and reshifting my focus back into my dream, you know, what my purpose is in life, which is, you know, whatever my talent is, whatever your God-given talent is, that is your purpose. That's what I believe. And I reshifted my focus back into that. You know, I've known since forever that I was supposed to be doing hair. And so I've done that. And because I've put so much positive energy 
and focus and put God at the center of it, I've been able to accomplish so much. And now there are things happening for me in my career and for my son that are beyond the scope of what my dream was. You know, the dream was to have a salon in Dallas, you know, when I get older. And now there are things happening that's even bigger than that that I didn't even, you know, dream of, of happening. And it's because I've shifted all of that focus and energy into where it needs to be right now, you know, to restore that confidence and be who I'm supposed to be for my son, for the people around me, and as a child of God. And as a child of God. Now, where can people, and our show always flies by. I mean, this Miss Nell, I could talk to you for hours, you know. Where can people get the book? Where can people buy your book? So um, the easiest is to go to Amazon. Um, they're on Amazon for about $20. Um, anyone who has Kindle, they can order the uh, book on Kindle for $9.99. And then, of course, I have hard copies on hand that people can, they can just send me their mailing address and pay via PayPal $20. And I'll send a signed copy um, out by mail to them. Wow. Now, let's shift a little bit into um, you're an award-winning braider, and mm-hmm. you're going to you talk about your book, and our class is coming up, which I can't wait, October 1st, and you're going to see mm-hmm. more flyers and more posts. So make sure you follow braids underscore by underscore Miss Nelly and, of course, at Harriam because we're doing an amazing class for moms, Mommy and Me, and she's going to do some braids. I'm going to talk about just hair care. It's going to be really, really good. So make sure everybody that's listening to the show, you know, stays tuned. But talk about, you know, winning um, your first, your award, you know, um, and being recognized as, a braider um, in Dallas, Texas. How was that whole experience? Well, it was it was great. Um, you know, it starting out with braiding. I you know I needed to kind of get back in the swing of things because I hadn't done hair for a few years. I had got sidetracked, and so you know I had to get back at it, spend a few months, you know, just going at it, getting getting back to where I was. And I came across a braiding competition in Atlanta, and I said, you know what, let's let me go and do it. Let me see what else is out there, what else is going on, keep up with, with what's going on today. And I won those, you know, won those two awards there, which is monumental. So then they gave me the confidence after that show to go ahead and enter the Texas hair show. I thought this is much bigger. You know, I'm I'm a little nervous. I don't know how this is going to pan out. And I ended up winning first place overall. So just that recognition that my skill set is there, that I do truly have the talent, um, you know, it just gives me that much more confidence, you know, that I, you know, as I put energy and effort into my business, you know, my brand, you know, to keep growing and gaining clientele from all over, you know, it's just, it's been an amazing experience. Wow. And now, were you always, I know you said hair is your first, you're, you know, you're a licensed cosmetologist, you know, and right. I always stress that because a lot of people say, oh, I can braid, everybody braids, but no, you've actually had the training. Were you always doing hair when you were younger? I mean, talk about maybe your, your upbringing, you know, your your training. I got my first mannequin hair when I was eight years old to do hair. Um, And just before that, you know, I had got a a baby doll. It had a lot of hair, but it was made for, you know, making clothes. And I switched dolls with my sister who she had a doll, but it was supposed to be for hair. We switched accessories because I didn't want to make clothes for the doll. I wanted to just do her hair. (laughs) So that's, you know, I got my first head at eight years old. My aunt sat down with me when I was 12, when I was in middle school and showed me how to do 
braids because that's when Eve was doing the braids straight back. And I just caught on to it, you know, really quick, really easy. I just picked it up. And so next thing I know, everyone's asking for braids in the morning before class, get into high school. I made sure I fought to make sure I got into cosmetology school in high school, graduated before I finished high school, you know, from cosmetology school and took that with me to college. And it's just always been there. You know, it's like I've always done hair. If there's nothing else I was doing, there's anywhere that I felt comfortable, it's doing hair. It's, it's just, and thank God, you know, I was I'm fortunate enough to have known that at such an early age that that is what my calling is in life is to do hair. Wow, and hair has brought you here, which is, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you you win in awards and you're braided. Now, in terms of a lot of people, always ask this question: How long should I keep my braids in my hair? Can you help answer that question for people? Yeah, so um, for a lot of a lot of these styles, it kind of depends on um, what the style is. But um, for you know, for my braids, or braids that are that are executed very neatly and done, the braids themselves will last quite a while. Um, but it's usually that new growth stage when the braids start to kind of sit and look like a hat, and that's usually around the three to four week mark because your hair grows about a half an inch a month. Um, so about three to four weeks in, you start to notice that new growth is really kicking in, which at that point we've got product that's just sitting in there, marinating environmental factors. You know, if you've been frying fish or whatnot, that stuff starts sitting in there, and about three to four weeks in, it's time to take them out. The braids that are smaller and the more complex styles, you could typically get about six weeks out of it, um, but, but don't go for too long. Don't go crazy long because then it just starts to kind of mount up like a bird's nest underneath in that that is damaging yes. to the hair. So six to eight weeks longest, and I added the eight weeks because as a mom of girls, we try and stretch those braids <laughs> as much as we can. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but, but the bigger braids a month, take them out so you can get that product out of your hair, you know, and style mm-hmm. your hair. Your hair can grow and healthy and breathe. And Okay, great. Now, what about... Another question is about the tightness of braids. And a lot of people, Mm -hmm. again, I have two girls, and, you know, I've been braiding since I was younger, and people just say that tightness of, you know, of the braid on your, like the braid shouldn't be tight, should it? Well, they shouldn't be like, there's there's a difference between secure and overly, you know, being, you know, excessively tight. Um, and I've learned, you know, even with when I started braiding again back, you know, last year up until till now, you know, there's a technique, you know, there's different techniques in braiding and you have to really watch and know how to position your hands and know how, just how much to tug and pull. And honestly, that comes with practice. As I braid my client's hair, I'm very conscious of that when I'm braiding, which is, you know, I take a little bit longer than some people, but not only am I looking for neatness, but I'm looking to also make sure that I'm not pulling crazy. If I see hair bumps starting to form, then, you know, before I'm even finished, then their braids are too tight. We shouldn't see those forming right yeah. away. Um, so, again, you know, it's just something you have to kind of keep an eye out for. Should it be, you know, secure and will you probably feel it? Yes. I know I feel it. I'm just very tender-headed, though, so I feel everything. But, um, you know, to be able to see, you know, there's a difference between, like I said, being secure and just being excessively tight. 
Exactly. Well, well put. And um, Miss Nellie, what would you say is the simplest braid style? I mean, in our class, we're going to talk about it, and halo and lemonade and stitch and feet of braids. But what's kind of like the simplest way to start? Let's say you don't know, have any knowledge about braiding and you just want to start. What's a simple braid to kind of start with and learn? The simplest, the absolute simplest, I think, would be a plait or a box braid. Um, if you can nail some plaits or some box braids, that's the most versatile style because you can move the braids all over. You can you want to wear them down. You want to do two ponytails, one ponytail, bun, whatever. It's very versatile. Um, you know, it's just make you know nailing you know the plaits as far as right amount of hair, parting, that kind of thing. Um, and then after that, I would think more so like the halos or doing like the two or three braids. Um, you know, just be able to put being able to put together some simple, classy styles. Halos are something that you can learn to do at home, even on your own head, you know. So there are some styles out there that are very simple and classy. You just got to know kind of where to start. You got to know where to start. Wow. Oh, my God, we only have a few minutes left. Miss Nellie, we're chatting live. <laughs> She's an award-winning braider, and you have a story. I tell you, I want to just get this book, Bill I Rise, because, wow. Now, what, what else can people expect? Um, or I guess I should ask you, what piece of advice do you have for women out there that may be going through your situation? Because I'll tell you, there's a lot, a whole lot. Um, Just a couple of – yesterday um, I posted – on our Facebook page about Princess Diana. And it wasn't physical abuse, but she talked about the verbal abuse. You know, they celebrated her 20 years passing, August 31st, Princess Diana, a princess, you know. And she talked about, you know, how Prince Charles would verbally abuse her, and she felt less, you know, she had eating disorder, she was bulimic, and, you know, he had his mistress. And, you know, if you know the story of Princess Diana, and if you're young, y'all Google it. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. again, this story of abuse, whether physical or verbal, goes on. So what piece of advice can you share? One, you have to make sure your relationship with God is is tight. Mine wasn't. And I, I had to go through the worst to reestablish that. Um, but then, two, You have to, it is so hard, but it is so necessary. You have to shift your energy into something positive and look at what can you do to become a better person? Because just because the other person is a hundred percent wrong, that doesn't make you a hundred percent right. And I think when you can take away, you know, the whole, whether you're secretly or you're sharing with some people, this is what he's doing to me. Let's look at how you can fix yourself as far as making yourself a stronger and a better person, um, becoming a better woman for yourself. You know, that's where that self-love comes in at. And when you shift your energy back into, you know, into the career or, you know, I'm going to get in school and I'm going to really focus on, you know, finishing my education, you know, with this or that, that confidence comes back in. You start to gain your your dignity back. Um, that's you know that that is so important to have to reshift that focus because if you dwell on what's going on, it's just you just drown. You drown in it, you know. And that's that's what I did. Um, social culture does not help these days. I think you know sometimes it's, it's great to have social media you know out there for the latest and the greatest of what's going on, but. Social media and social culture will also make you feel like, hey, that's not the way a relationship is supposed to go. Because per this meme that's viral today, your relationship should be like this. 
or you should be doing that, and it'll make you feel like I'm not doing enough or I'm not doing things right. That's that's not right. You know, it's you have to have that relationship with God so that you know how to sit still and listen, and then you know how to redirect and shift your energy to become a better woman within so that you recognize your self-worth. Now you know not what to settle for, what to not settle for, and you become a better individual. You become a better woman. Wow, that is – Miss Nelly, I think you wrapped it up, and I definitely know you're on the right track um, to total healing. What, everything you said was so powerful, so powerful. Now, again, back to, you know, your ex, when – what – I guess I was going to say, like, when he first got out and, and his son is six years old and, and you, you know, you reintroduced him to his son, was he just like – Hey, you know, I I don't want nothing to do with him, and then you try to kind of force that relationship. Or how was he with the initial, like the first meeting with your son? You know what? The towards the end, like the last year of his incarceration, they started to see each other, and it was this is my son. Wow, we look so much alike. You know, and they and they have a lot of the same features. They sit the same way. You know, when they cross their legs, little stuff like that, and it's just. You know, it was like, oh, this is so cute. You know, they're finally starting to build this bond, and he's like, I'm going to be father of the year. I'm going to make up for all the time lost. He's just saying all the right things. And when it's, you know, my family hasn't been there for me, and nobody's been there for me, and, I, you know, it's always been you. You know, there's just that, you know, that assurance, like, this is this is going to be what it's supposed to be. And it was, I'm going to say, about a month or two after he had got out, it was like a light switch. She just flipped. And all of a sudden it turned to, I'm going to go back to the same people I was messing around with. I'm going to go back to doing what I was doing before. And all of a sudden, being a father, that's too inconvenient. Too inconvenient, which, mm. you know, that's that's what he said when I told him I was pregnant. He said, you know what I do, and I don't have time to raise the kids. You know, he made it clear from the very beginning, and I should have listened then. But I didn't. I forgave him, and I took him back. Now, what 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 was he in for? What did, what was he incarcerated for? Drugs or? Yeah, selling cocaine to an undercover. Wow. Um, so the most important thing is, you know, through your story, you're bettering yourself, and you're giving a platform that other women can relate to. And like you said, knowing God first is so important, and you are going to continue to heal as long as you put God first. Now, I know a lot of people might be listening as we close the call. You know, what if he listens to this podcast and finds out where you are? You know, um, is there any restraining orders or, or anything that you can do to protect yourself? Because this is a, a, a worldwide podcast that anybody can listen right. to. Um, believe it or not, my son actually does have an active relationship with his aunt with his father's sister. Um, you know, and that, for a while oh, I thought, you know, okay. I, I'm not sure if I want to make it, you know, known as far as where I am, but if he really wanted to get to me, he could have done it by now. There's this, my information is out there. I'm a very public person now, you know, especially with my business and my brand. So um, That's right. I, That's I think right. there's more shame than anything. I, I would think that there's more shame than anything, than, you know, to show his face. If he is to come forward, you know, come forward. You know, at best, I, I would hope for an apology, but I don't expect for him to ever show his face, honestly. Yeah, 
Now, your son, um, you know, he's, he, you said he's doing better. Again, it's going to take time, but he is doing, he is doing better? Oh, yeah, he's doing a lot better. Um, it took a little bit, but, um, you know, we've, the counseling, you know, has ceased now. We don't, you know, neither one of us are in counseling anymore, and we're doing fine. He has, he's building friendships. He's, you know, he's got on the basketball team. He's ready to try out karate now, and, you know, he's he's active, and he's, he's using his voice. And as he gets older, his, you know, he's able to start to think for himself more clearly. Um, and I recognize that. So I, I think he's doing very, very well. And at the mention of um, of his father, he just says, hey, I don't want to hear about him. You know, there, there was never really a good relationship there. So I think it was easier for him yeah. to heal than yeah. for me because I had the, re- the relationship for years and years. And for him, it was just like, I didn't know him, but as long as he doesn't come near me again, we're good, you know? Exactly, exactly. And, you know, I agree with your son. Most most times I'm very pro-family and, you know, like you said, everybody wants the two, you know, the mom and dad and the picket fence. But I think for your son right now, for his sake, just keep him away and respect Mm -hmm. that. And the young should grow, and when he gets older – then he can be 18 where he can handle, <laughs> you know what I mean, and take up for himself. Right. It's an unfair fight, right, a child and a, a right. grown man. So um, I, I definitely will, will be praying for you guys, and um, I'm happy to know that he's moving forward. Because when you had said your son wasn't speaking, the first thing that I said is, oh, is he on the spectrum? But he's not. He's a, he was just scared of, of, mm-hmm. of his father. That's why he wasn't speaking. Right. Is that right? Right, exactly. Oh, wow. 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 This has been so much fun and I, uh, let me not use the word fun, but this has been very um inspiring um with your book. Now, how can people get a hold of you, Miss Nelly? Um so many different ways. Um so you can email me, you know, it's nellia.span, it's n e l i a .span like spick and span at gmail.com. Social media, those are the biggest platforms that people reach out to me. So Instagram is braids underscore by underscore Miss Nelly, M-S-N-E-L-L-Y. Um, and then on Facebook, it's the same thing, braids by Miss Nelly, no underscores. Um, those those are the, the two biggest or the, really the two sole platforms that I use to promote. But um, that's where people reach out to me. And they have any questions about the book, you know, those are the platforms that I use, at least for right now anyway, for the book as well. Now, what what is the future? What would you like the future to hold for Miss Nelly? Like when you think about the future, what would you like the future to be for Miss Nelly and her son? You know, there's so much. It's, I mean, it's you know, right now there are things. You know, as far as like I'm I'm preparing to um, to have my first performance as a platform artist in February in Atlanta for the Bronner Brothers show. Um, I, I plan to open up the doors to a much bigger salon um, within the next six to nine months. Uh, my son, you know, he's he's very very smart, um, it's very intuitive, and he's testing now to even be moved up to a fifth grade class level because um, of how smart he is. So the sky's the limit, you know. Wow. I'm like God, you just put the opportunities out there. We'll we'll take them on, and um, we'll you know, we'll see what happens. But you know, my son, he's he started a YouTube channel. He's getting ready to start posting kids exercise videos. You know, that's what he wants to do, and it's like. Let's let's go ahead and do it. You know, there's just so much. So I I don't know. You know, for what what I've wanted, 
I haven't, and there's more that's coming. So now I'm just like overwhelmed with the amount of blessings that we're both reaping. But you know, I'm just I'm wide open. Wow! Wow! Congratulations, Miss Nelly. We got to give you Thank a round you. of applause for being so honored. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you for being on MGN Podcast. We appreciate you, and I can't wait. Yep, October 1st. Yes, me neither. I'm excited. <laughs> All right. I'm excited, too. Have a happy Friday and happy first of the month. Yes, thank you. You have a great weekend. You, too. Wow. Okay, so that was a really, really great show. And, again, if you are suffering from any type of abuse, domestic, physical, verbal, It's very important to seek help, and we hope this podcast will help you know that you're not the only one going through it, and there is light at the end of the tunnel. Look at how Ms. Nelly has overcome and is still working, you know, um, and is a success. All right, everyone, happy Friday. Thank you. Bye.